Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Money with Katie podcast. That's my attempt at a jingle. I won't do it again. Um, Before we launch into today's topic, I'm going to do something that I personally usually fast forward through, but I will make this super fast so you can't. Mwahaha. If you are enjoying this show, do me a favor and please subscribe. It'll let you know when new episodes drop on Wednesdays and it'll help show the algorithm that you give a shit. So if you're feeling extra karmically blessed today, please leave a review. I would prefer a nice one, but I'll take what I can get. Okay, now that that's out of the way, today we are talking about something that I honestly really enjoy just riffing on, um, and that's my actual financial independence plan. I don't know that you're going to get a ton of finance definitions out of today's post, but it will be interesting and it might offer some insights into me as a person, fun, and the way that I think about the future. So as a little backstory, I discovered financial independence as a concept in 2018 when I was living in Dallas. And I remember listening to five podcasts on my commute to work in my leased car with my Louis Vuitton in the front seat. And I just felt like A, an idiot, and B, like I had discovered life's cheat code. Some of you may know this about me, but I actually had a blog before Money with Katie where I just posted musings and random things that I wanted to write about uh, since 2015. And it ended up slowly morphing into a personal finance blog over time because all I cared about was financial independence. I think a lot of people who discover FI go through that phase of obsession and disbelief where you really do feel like you have solved life's biggest mystery. I remember so clearly the time before I knew about FI going into the office one particular Tuesday morning around 8 a.m., and having this moment of panic as I was walking across the parking lot, like six months into working full time, I had barely been working at all. But I just remember thinking, holy shit, is this it? Like, is this the rest of my life? And I was really freaked out. I didn't have any sort of financial plan. I had a few hundred dollars left over at the end of every month. But honestly, I was completely winging it. I wasn't tracking or planning any of it. There was no strategy involved whatsoever. And learning about FI made me realize that I had no plan and that without no plan, without no plan, (laughs) without a plan, I had no exit strategy and I really wanted an exit strategy. Now, one thing that you should know about me in case you don't know already is that I am super neurotic. Like I have not been formally diagnosed with OCD, but some of the frankly, darker symptoms of it that I've read about, like constantly imagining the worst case scenarios and experiencing paranoia over bad things happening to you. That is me to a T. So although I've never sought help for it or or sought a formal diagnosis, I do think becoming obsessed with financial independence makes a lot of sense when you look at it through that lens of my personality. I wanted a safety blanket. I wanted to know that I was financially never stuck, that I could pay my way out of any bad thing that happened to me and that I would never have to be inconvenienced or uncomfortable or unhappy for long if I could help it. Now, that background is hopefully insightful to know. So let's do a little fast forward to today. 
I started working actively toward FI in 2019. It did take me a few months for the lessons to really start to seep in. And I've decided that my financial independence number is a million. So I will feel ultimately more comfortable doing whatever I want if I've got a million in the bank. And as of this recording, I have about $420,000. <laughs> so I'm not quite halfway there, monetarily speaking. But thanks to the power of compounding returns, I'm actually more than halfway there time-wise. So if things continue the way that they have been from an earning and spending standpoint, I should theoretically be a millionaire before I turn 30, assuming there are no major market downturns, which is super cool. But I think it might be kind of useful to dig into why a million dollars is the number that I chose. A, it's just a nice round number, seven figures. Like there's just something about a million and I don't think anyone can deny that. But when I first learned about FI, you know, I was introduced to this, this concept of coast FI, which is the idea that because time in the market matters so much more than the amount of money that you're investing, that if you save enough money early enough in your life, you will have enough time for it to compound to the extent that it's infinitely larger than, well, we'll say exponentially larger, not infinitely larger than the amount that you started with. And so a lot of people my age looked at, you know, one and a half million, two million when they turned 65 and said, okay, well then once I've got 350, 375, by the way, I did this too, but once I have 300,000 or 400,000, then by the time I turn 65, it'll be a million and a half or 2 million, you know, assuming certain market returns and yada, yada, yada. But the problem with that assumption is that there is no inflation over the next 40 years. And we know that that's not going to be the case. You know, whether or not it's going to be as extreme as it has been in the last year, I can't say. But we know that the price of things is going to go up. So we really do have to adjust for inflation when we make those types of, you know, projections. And when I think about having 2 million at 65, but I'm thinking about it in terms of today's purchasing power. That doesn't sound like a ton, I'll be honest with you, but it also sounds like it would be enough, again, in today's purchasing power, assuming you're living relatively modestly. Or, and this is the other kicker that we're going to get into here in just a minute, you're still doing something that earns money, whether that's real estate or like me, maybe blogging. I don't know what the blogging of the future will be when I'm 40 years from now. But anyway, if you start with a million at age 30, it will compound to be, I think, four or five million by the time you're in your 60s. So that made me feel a lot more comfortable that, hey, $5 million when I'm 65 years old, I could probably live a decently good life on that. So... If I can get a million by 30, I will feel comfortable that whatever I'm doing in the time between ages 30 and 65 can be more just what I want to be doing and not making decisions based on what I think is going to help me save more. Because right now, I'll be honest, I'm 100% making decisions based on what I think is going to make me the most money what's going to increase my margin the most. So whether that's taking a more lucrative job offer or 
spending a lot of time trying to increase my income with Money with Katie or spending less, I am 1000% still financially motivated and I'd be lying if I said that that's always a comfortable thing, which is the grand irony, right? Because I want to save all this money so I can be comfortable and yet I'm actively putting myself in fairly uncomfortable situations in pursuit of the magic million with the anticipated outcome that once I get there, things will be a little bit more comfortable. So anyway, I think the big takeaway for me is that once I have a million, I'm assuming, and this is fair to say, it's an assumption, it's not a fact, that I will feel like I can chill out a little bit because I'll know this million dollars is going to be enough to retire on in 45 years from now, even if I don't contribute another dollar to it. That's kind of the plan. But as anyone who's ever gotten really into financial independence knows, at some point, and I don't know if it's the same point for everybody, but at some point in the journey of saving and investing, you start to kind of wonder, am I actually going to want to stop working? You start to envision yourself in five years, 10 years, and wondering, you know, am I actually going to be able to pull the plug on my employment? And for a while, I thought, oh, easily, for sure. I have no qualms about it. My work is not my identity. I'm not as conventionally passionate about my day job as maybe some other people are. I enjoy it. I like getting a paycheck, but I wouldn't say user experience is my life's work. That's for sure. And I don't think for the record that your day job has to be your life's work. I think the idea that what you do for a living has to be your most passionate pursuit is kind of a millennial phenomenon that I don't necessarily support. But I do know myself now pretty well by age 26, and I've realized that I'm a bit of a busybody. See the earlier point about being hella neurotic. I like to work. I just don't necessarily want to be working on somebody else's terms. So for me, at this phase, the plan, and I'm saying the plan, I'm doing air quotes, I wish you could see me. Maybe this should have been a YouTube video. But the plan is to stop working full-time when I hit 30, and then just continue to do Money with Katie full-time. Again, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I would hope that if I have a million dollars in the bank that it will. But there have been plenty of documented cases of people who reached that point. They had a million or a million and a half or whatever their number was in the bank. And they reached the point where they told themselves they would quit. And then they realized, wait a second. I'm making more money in my job now than I ever have. Am I really going to walk away from the extra 150k that I'm going to make this year? A lot of people have a hard time doing that, and that's why it's called the one more year syndrome because you you convince yourself over and over again, well, you know, I could stick it out for another year. What's 12 more months? And then that month passes and they hook you with another bonus or more stock options. And you think, well, all right, I could stick around for a little bit longer. And eventually, five years pass, ten years pass, and you're kind of just delaying the inevitable. So that's where I'm really trying to steal my resolve now to 
committing to that number that a million by 30 is enough. And I would add money with Katie is a fair bit more profitable for me than full-time work is. So theoretically money with Katie should still continue to be a source of income for me, or, you know, maybe it goes kaput by the time I reach 30 and I'm trying a different business. But I will say ever since I've ventured into this little space of online entrepreneurship, I am addicted to it. I compulsively work on money with Katie and it's really fun. So by that note, I would add, I don't really see myself ever wanting to stop. I think I'll stop if I have to. I'll stop if people keep reading. I'm sorry, if people stop reading. I'll stop if it stops making money and for some reason becomes expensive to run. But I was kind of reflecting the other night on this idea like, oh, I gotta get all this money. I gotta invest all this money so that I can do nothing, so that I can quit, so that I can be work optional. And then I kind of sat back and it was around seven o'clock on a Wednesday. And I felt myself wanting to go get my computer to work on money with Katie's stuff. And I was like, girl, I don't think you have to worry about ever reaching a point where you want to stop working. Because look at you, you can't stop working on this even when you're actively trying to enforce a boundary after work where you're just gonna make dinner and hang out. You can't help yourself reaching for the laptop to do more. So it's totally possible that those circumstances could change, but that kind of brings me to my next point, this plan of hitting a million dollars. I think my ultra conservative approach to financial independence at this point is hit conventional FI, a million bucks, that's $40,000 a year of income assuming your 7% return and 3% inflation. But once I hit it, don't stop working entirely. Just become a full-time personal finance blogger and make money that way. And hopefully I will make enough from that in four years from now to cover my monthly expenses. If it continues on the trajectory it's been going on, it should hopefully be far more than my monthly expenses. But the idea is that I would effectively insure myself for the future. It'd be retirement insurance, if you will, knowing that that million is going to compound unused in the background for a very long time. God willing, I live a long life. And then with the money with Katie income that comes in every month, I'm not going to be such a Scrooge McDuck about it. That's at least the plan. Again, we'll see what actually happens when the time comes. But right now, I hold myself pretty strictly to a $3,000 a month spending plan. If I go much over that, it really bothers me. So I really try to keep my expenses as low as I can so that, again, that margin is as thick as it can be. But my hope would be that if I've got a million, I'm going to feel more comfortable taking my foot off the gas. And if money with Katie makes 5000 a month or 20000 a month, that I will just spend it however I want. And if it's making 20000 a month, the chances that I'm going to spend twenty grand pretty damn slim. But okay, let's say I wanted to. I would give myself that permission because, again, that retirement investing box has already been checked. So in some ways... It's kind of like I'm trying to rush to the finish line so I can just sit and hang out there and have the assurance that I'm done. I'm good. I made it. I did it. I'm, I checked the box, right? It's that neurotic 
approach again to planning for the future. Let me make sure that I'm absolutely going to be fine as quickly as possible, even if it's uncomfortable. And then once I know that I'm fine, then I'll put my foot on the brake a little bit and maybe enjoy myself a little bit more. So that does bring me to a kind of interesting point, though, about the psychology of all of this and some of the fears that I have about actually reaching that point. For one thing, if you've ever listened to The Mad Scientist, he has a really interesting annual update that he does about FI. And he had this thing the entire time that he was reaching five and blogging about it that you know his reasoning for wanting to be financially independent was because even though he was a software engineer his real passion in life his hobby was music he wanted to produce an album and so he always told himself well i just don't have the time right now when i'm financially independent I'll have the time to dedicate to this craft. I can learn how to do it. I'll have so much time on my hands. I can move to Europe and work on my music. So again, kind of lofty aspirations in the same way that maybe me spending $15,000 a month is lofty. But he just produced his fifth annual update. He's been FI for five years and he more or less admits that a huge realization for him was that it took three to four years of financial independence before he actually brought himself to work on his music. And he says as much that he was surprised to find out, but it actually wasn't a lack of time that was preventing him from working on it. And he doesn't really necessarily get into what exactly was stopping him, but he kind of alludes to the fact that it was fear and not knowing where to start and just that resistance to there's something you want to try and it's new and you've always told yourself that it's something you want to do, but when push actually comes to shove and you now have the bandwidth to do it, you're you're maybe a little bit reluctant because you don't know how it's going to go or if you're going to be good. And I have this theory that maybe you've told yourself for the last decade that you want to produce music, what if you're bad at producing music? What if you actually don't like it? That's probably the scariest outcome. You tell yourself this entire time that you're going to end up doing something when you're financially free, and then you hustle and hustle and hustle for years and years and years, and you finally get there, and then, oh, shit, I've now discovered that I actually don't enjoy this thing that I thought I was going to love. The sole reason why I rushed to this point and quit my job and have made all these sacrifices and I actually don't like that thing very much. I feel like that's probably the reason why he delayed it. Fortunately, he did a great job. He put out a great album. He enjoyed it. He said it was really challenging, the hardest thing he'd ever done, which was fascinating to me to hear that from someone that had reached FI in their early 30s. But the point stands that I think a lot of us in this community do tend to tell ourselves, I don't want to call them lies, but we do tend to tell ourselves that once we reach FI, things are going to change. They're going to be different, that somehow we're going to have these talents or interests that we tell ourselves we just don't have time for now. And the more that I reflect on it and experience myself creeping closer to that end goal, the more I think, I don't know that that's necessarily true. 
there are probably other reasons why I haven't done the things that I tell myself and tell others that I'm going to do when I'm FI. And working on the blog all the time is just one of them. That actually probably will happen. <laughs> but moving to Malibu, moving to Italy for six months, there are very real things in my life that prevent that right now. Like the fact that I have a cat and dog that I can't leave behind for six months. And there's a reason that I don't work on Money with Katie all the time now, and it has more to do than with just my full-time job. It's also because I don't know that I would like it as much if I was doing it constantly. So there are just some things to think about. I would say that we could all probably benefit from the advice that if there is something that you're telling yourself that you're going to do once you've reached financial independence, some skill you're going to pick up, language you're going to learn, insert your interest here. It probably makes sense to start dabbling in it well before you ever reach financial independence because I can tell you nothing would terrify me more than if I waited to start a blog until after I was already there and then for some reason it didn't go well or I didn't like it. That would be panic-inducing because, like I said, you've just hustled your way to this end point and now the end point isn't what you think it was. So even though it might be cliche, I have been thinking a lot about, and I will close with this, it really is the journey. It really has to be about the day-to-day enjoyment of the process and the progress than about the destination. And it sounds so cliche. I know that that quote is probably written in script cursive on a wall in someone's Pinterest house, but it's true. If you're singularly focused on that end goal at the expense of everything else, it's just too painful and uncomfortable And I think, I fear that we will all reach that destination someday and be like, huh, I wish I would have slowed down a little bit and enjoyed myself a little bit more along the way. So that's what I'm chewing on right now. I do think that I'm starting to try to give myself permission to spend a little bit more as I make more to enjoy lifestyle creep just a little bit even if it does delay five by a year, okay, who cares? 31, 32 instead of 30, what's the big deal? You know you're gonna get there well before a lot of people, right? Just by implementing some of these strategies and by caring and by trying. But I would hate to get there and realize, oh, it really was about having a goal and now I don't have a goal anymore and now I don't know who I am and now I'm in a doom spiral of existential crisis over what have I done? That to me would be the absolute worst case scenario. So I'm trying to train myself now so that when it finally happens, I can pull the plug and yeah, get a little bit more comfortable spending a little bit more money, easing up on the gas and understanding that enjoying myself on the journey is really important and it doesn't have to be an all gas, no breaks, never eating out, never taking vacations, joyless fest to the finish line. So I hope that gives you something to think about. I will leave you with one last thing. And it's going to sound counterintuitive based on everything I just said, but if you're listening to this and you're still working toward that first 100,000 or 200,000 
keep your foot on the gas. I, I definitely do not want to encourage anybody to let up too early in their journey. I do think that there is a time and a place for that level of hustle, whether that's hustling to earn more, whether that is making some sacrifices in your early 20s to make some progress. If you're 23, 24, up through, honestly, like 30 years old, now's the time that your decisions are going to impact things the most. So yes, I definitely encourage balance, but I also think that this decade of your life between 20 and 30, when you are going to have these decisions compounding for the next few decades, they are the most important. So if you're still starting out, keep your foot on the gas, but I would say (laughs) as a cautionary tale, Don't be like me and keep it so on the gas pedal that you forget how to take it off. Okay, that's all. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next Wednesday.